When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. They've been shut out here in the second half. And that is a Minnesota franchise record 10th sack of this game. Three and a half sacks today by the NFL's leader, Daniil Hunter. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here with you, and I have just put it out on Twitter that myself and one Myron Metcalf of ESPN will spend the next hour partly discussing this topic. Would you like to see the NFL offseason become similar to the NBA, where players are finding their own landing places, forming super teams, and making it hella dramatic? Does anyone say hella anymore, Myron? I, I don't. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm 36, man. I turned 36 last week, so I, I'm the last guy to ask. Oh, gotta, Go to Urban Dictionary. Yeah, I think gonna, they'll, they'll tell you. I, th- I think they. I think that was kind of a like a early 2000s thing. People said like oh, it's hella crazy or whatever. Yeah, yeah no, some parts not. of the country, I think they said. I don't. Well, I don't know what the age limit is. I know I'm too old to say. I it. apologize to the teens if I have made a yeah. mistake there. But uh, <laughs> if you want to chime in on the discussion. The NFL offseason, do you want to see it get a little crazier? Uh, we will eventually have a new CBA in the NFL, possibly a lockout to get there, um, and rules will change and things will change at some point. Uh, I'm just waking up today seeing Stephen A. Smith on your network, Myron, talking about uh, Kawhi Leonard potentially wanting to join the Lakers, and I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not, but the NBA offseason, as soon as it begins, has limitless possibilities Possibilities. And as much as I enjoy the NFL offseason, I mean, nobody loves diving into which right tackles are available in the free agent <laughs> market. But, you know, I don't think that every, I don't think that everybody wakes up and logs on to Twitter to see if Juwan James has signed <laughs> with the Vikings or the, the Denver Broncos, you know? Well, and that's the thing about the NBA is it's amazing how that league goes from the finals to the NBA draft right into free agency. It is, to me, the most remarkable stretch in any offseason in all of sports, and it's how they keep you hooked. Now, the advantage that the NFL has, Collar, is they don't have to keep you hooked. They've got you hooked. I mean, it's the biggest thing in the land. So uh, that devotion is there no matter what happens in the offseason. But the NBA has found a way to extend the buzz and the hype after the regular season is over, and now you've got teams waking up going, hey, look, maybe we have a chance to get a Kawhi. Maybe we have a chance to get a Kevin Durant or a Clay Thompson, and after they heal up, they'll be able to contribute at an all-star level. And that, to me, is something the NFL lacks just because of the way the NFL is. You don't have a guy like Kawhi, who I think is going into his eighth season, where you're going to go, okay, any non-quarterback uh, is going to get a max contract after that much mileage. Most guys are not in that position. So the shelf life is so different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is, you can see the contrast. 20 years almost, we've been watching the Patriots and Tom Brady going into the season saying, oh, they're going to be pretty good. In the NBA, you didn't expect the Raptors to do what they're doing. You don't know who's going to show up next season, and that's part of the excitement. I do wish the NFL had more of that. So the first response that I get is the NFL is king and they should do nothing that the NBA does. And just because you have the highest <laughs> ratings and the most people watching you and the most fans overall uh, does not mean that your sport, in my mind, is perfect or as fun as it could be. And a lot of times, Myron, when we get to the NFL offseason, 
it's all right. Well, let's look over the trash heap of free agents, and maybe there's two or three guys who are actual star players that are going to hit the free agent market and land somewhere. But yeah. I mean, think think of this last off season. There's probably a guy or two that you might have been really interested to see where they land. Let's say Golden Tate for me. He ends up with the yep. Giants. Totally surprised by that. Thought the Vikings might have a chance to get him, depending on how things went. But is Golden Tate any kind of big star? I mean, who was even the biggest name this year, just even off the top of your head, who signed a big contract in the offseason? Le'Veon Bell? I mean, yeah. right? Is Le'Veon Bell yeah. the guy who... I mean, Le'Veon Bell think created some took. of that buzz. Right. Think what that yeah. took him sitting out exactly. a whole year for him to get there. But imagine having 15 Le'Veon Bell situations in the NFL every yeah. offseason. I mean, that's what the NBA gets. And let, let's be real about this, man. If the NFL strikes, if the, if the, whether it's a work stoppage or the players decide to strike, it's going to be because of the NBA. I mean, these guys are looking at players who are not even the top five guy, a top five guy on their own teams, making $10 million. 20 years ago in the NBA, uh, when Shaq was in his prime, there were about 30 guys who made $10 million or more in the NBA. Right now, there are 133 guys making at least $10 million. Consider that. So these NFL guys are looking at those guys and going, wait a minute. They got guaranteed money. A lot of these guys are overpaid. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. And I think that's what will be on the table uh, here in the coming years with the new CBA. And if your ownership... What do you do with that, Colin? What do you do if the players come and say, look, if we don't get real guaranteed money, we're out. What happens there? Could that create sort of the instability that you see in the NBA where guys keep switching teams, and now you have some of that excitement where the players get a little more control? Um, real quick, another response. Parody is king in the NFL as the Patriots win another <laughs> Super Bowl. So I guess it really <laughs> is. Parody is the biggest myth in every sport. The Yankees yeah. are good again. And you know, it's like the Yankees are decent yeah. again for uh, the surprise, surprise. The the seven hundredth straight year they're good again. So yes. uh, anyway, now to your question, how could this actually happen, or what would the players and owners have to come to some agreement to? And there's just things in place that give such huge advantages to the ownership side, and it's always going to be that way because of, as you mentioned, the shorter careers in the NFL. Uh, with the players in the NBA, if they sit out a locked-out year, oh, well, I go from, unless you're Sean Kemp, usually it's fine. I mean, yeah. you go from, okay, instead of 28, I'm 29 and still have yeah. you know six years, seven years left in my career if I'm a really good player. But in the NFL, um, it doesn't always mean that, and especially guys on their rookie contracts, if you're making five or $600,000 on a rookie contract, you can't afford to just make no. $0 for a, for a whole season, especially when you net probably only about you know 200000 or or something yeah. else like that after you know you have to pay everything. So there's too many players who are on the younger side who can't afford to lock out and they don't have that power. But if we were doing it in an ideal world, I don't think, Myron, that you would have things like a fifth-year option. That fifth-year option and the franchise tag, to me, are the things that get players stuck in one place and forced into a position where they have to sign long-term deals or they know the team is just going to force them to stick around anyway. The only yeah. position where this can actually happen, that someone can force their way out, aside from someone like Le'Veon Bell sitting out a full season, which is just a, a, a surprise and an outlier, is what Kirk Cousins did, which was just sign the franchise tag, sign the franchise tag, not sign a long-term deal until finally you work your way out of there. But think about even how long it took Kirk Cousins to get himself out of Washington and to make the most that he possibly could on the free agent market. I think if you're the players, those two things, even though they pay a decent amount of cash for sure i think anthony barr on his fifth year option made like 11 mil so he wasn't yeah. struggling but if you're on the player's side and you want also the flexibility to go along with that uh, and more guaranteed money which is what all players want then i i think that those are the things the main things that are keeping people there and also uh, in their teams and also keeping us from having crazy free agency <laughs> periods where there's like you said 15 big stars on the market as opposed to maybe one or two yeah i mean look at the frenzy for kirk cousins when he was available um he's not even kimball walker in the nfl and look at how people went nuts over him trying to get him that's the market dictating that in the nfl because there are so few players who can make an impact and change a franchise, so you just don't have people reaching to get talent. And the Patriots have kind of created the blueprint for that, right? We got Gronkowski, we got Brady, 
Okay, if it's Edelman, if it's somebody else playing that slot role, we're going to find somebody to help us move the ball. We'll get guys who are willing to play below market value. Uh, we'll, we'll key in on depth, and we'll win Super Bowls. So if you see that in the NFL, it's hard, I think, to go to ownership and say, you've got to give us a bunch of money, and it's got to be guaranteed, especially when you don't know how long some of these guys are going to be in their primes. The NBA has sort of the opposite situation. Kevin Durant just tore his Achilles, right? There are a lot of guys, far more guys have failed to come back from that in full form than have you know found a way to make it back and sort of regain who they were before. But Kevin Durant is still going to get a max contract. That would never happen in the NFL, Collar. No, that definitely not. That wouldn't happen with Patrick Mahomes. I don't think in the NFL, if he had torn his Achilles and now you're going to give him $200 million, that's the difference between the two. But I do think players in the NFL want more control. They want to be able to say, look, I don't want you to tell me that I have to stay here because of the franchise tag. I want to have flexibility and freedom. And I think the only way you get to that point, if you're at that bargaining table, if the owners say, okay, fine, we'll give you guaranteed money, but it's going to be short-term money. It's going to be one- and two-year deals. How would players deal with that? Because I don't see any change unless players are willing to give up the possibility of getting a long-term deal if they want this guaranteed money and they want to be like the NBA guys uh, because that, to me, is what you would be looking at. There's no way if I'm an owner I'm giving guys three and four years of guaranteed money when I don't know what your shelf life is, and that's the unfortunate part. If you're a player in the NFL, you don't have the power because the NFL owners know that, look, you're most likely replaceable. There are, what, 15, 20 guys who aren't replaceable in the league? You're most likely replaceable, and I can probably get the same production at similar value or less than you want. So that's why I think players are going to go into that negotiation thinking big dreams like these NBA guys, guaranteed money, and they'll probably be disappointed again. Yeah, I don't see a whole lot actually changing, and I really don't think that there's going to be a long lockout. We might do the same thing that happened a few years ago where we missed training camp in the preseason, and oh gosh darn, that would be awful, Myra, yeah. if we missed some of those preseason games. Um, but uh, you know, nobody's going to um, take it to the point where they're just going to lock out a whole season again because there's too much money to be made for both the players and for the owners. Um, but to your point, if you're going to be a player and try to give up one, I wonder if you want to get the more flexibility rather than the, the guaranteed money. I don't know. I, I mean, I wonder how much players are jealous of these NBA guys who get to pick their destinations because oh. really the draft picks your destination when you're talking about football, and then you ultimately are better off financially usually to sign that long-term deal. I think about someone like Stephon Diggs. I don't doubt that Diggs wants to stay with a winning team here, but he could have taken it all the way to the wire, and they probably would have just franchise-tagged him or the same yeah. with uh, you know. Daniil Hunter, if he had done the same thing, but instead it's like, well, what about you know Teddy Bridgewater's knee blows out, yeah, so you exactly. gotta probably sign this contract now, and make sure you get as much you, as you can get, and it puts them in a position where they don't have that flexibility. And I wonder how much something like that matters. I mean, you bring up a player like Patrick Mahomes, and is we have no doubts whatsoever Patrick Mahomes will sign a long term contract with the Chiefs and yep. will be a Chief until he's. 37, and then he goes to be the Dolphins' backup at age 38, <laughs> right? Or something like that. We have no doubts about that. And yeah. I just imagine a world where you could have two good quarterbacks on the free agent market or three good quarterbacks on the free agent market. The only good drama we get now is if somebody demands a trade to the point where they're really going to stick to it like Antonio yeah. Brown did. Yeah, and there are just few guys who can do it. Non-quarterbacks. Uh, quarterbacks could do it. I mean, most of the premier quarterbacks in the league could force the issue. I mean, the Russell Wilson stuff, that was getting interesting for a while, right? Mm -hmm. This idea of, hey, you're either going to give me long-term money, you're gonna, either going to make me the highest-paid guy, or maybe I start to talk about a trade. But there just aren't that many guys, to your point, that can say, okay, I'm going to make this declaration, and I'm going to force your hand because I'm that good uh, and the market is that rich for my services. I mean, how many guys that aren't quarterbacks, Collar, do you say, you know what? That guy would create a fight on the market for a max deal. I mean, that guy, if, you, if this were set up like the NBA, you would see a situation like you're seeing with Kawhi Leonard. Four guys, five guys in the league, to me, like there aren't that many guys where teams would bend over backwards and say, we got to do everything possible to get that guy now that he's available. The NFL just doesn't work like that. Uh, and I think because of some of the injuries you mentioned, because you just don't have any guarantees, I don't know how that will ever change, but it's frustrating because you're watching NBA guys 
choose. You're watching NBA guys say, you know what? I don't want to be there. I don't want to be in Toronto. I'm, I'm Kawhi Leonard. I want to be in L.A. All right, I'm Anthony Davis, who gets to choose in 2020. He's on contract from before this year, but in 2020, he's an unrestricted free agent. He might pick somewhere else next season. These are guys who have a lot of freedom and flexibility, and that, to me, is what you're jealous of if you're an NFL player. You're just never going to get what they have, though. So let me ask you this, Myron. Would you enjoy super teams in the NFL? I guess there already has been one uh, with the Patriots for yeah. two decades because of who their quarterback is. But let's let's just imagine a world here where instead of guys getting their fifth-year options picked up and instead of um, you know franchise tags that can just keep players as long as they're going to stay there, instead uh, there are 10, 12 really good star players who hit the free agent market each year and can go wherever they want. And you could end up with a ton of talent stacked on one team. We just don't really see that very often in football. I mean, you have to go back to basically the pre-free agency era. I can't think of too many teams that I've thought, oh my gosh, they have just innumerable amounts of star players. And even with the Vikings keeping this defense together has been a surprise that they could even find a way to do it by spending this much money and, and working with the cap the way that they have. But in terms of maybe one team goes all in and they end up getting multiple stars in one offseason. I think there's nothing like that in sports in terms of uh, just excitement and energy that's created going into the next season when some team is loaded up. Even watching it blow up in their face is amazing. How about the yeah. Lakers, the Gary Payton Lakers imploding <laughs> yeah, against the Detroit? Alone. Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Like th- Those make for great stories, too. The yeah. fact that Golden State did not win the NBA championship this year. Yeah, I think, but you bring up the right point, though, Collar. You couldn't do it on both sides of the ball. I mean, I think you could do it on either side of the ball right now. I mean, those Ravens defenses, I think that's about as good as you're going to get with a super team in the early 2000s. A lot of people were talking about the Rams going into last year as a potential kind of super team with some of the star power they had. It's just hard to get multiple guys. But even if you had those super teams, let's say you had a couple of Golden State Warriors-like teams, you would have a bunch of Toronto Raptors around the NFL. There's just too much talent in the NFL. There's only one Kawhi Leonard. There's only one guy who can go to the Lakers or Clippers or Toronto Raptors and change those franchises. In the NFL, I mean, what's the separation between the fifth-best middle linebacker in the NFL and the 11th best, right? Like, it's not noticeable for most fans. Guys like you who are smarter than us and read the analytics, I mean, you would notice it, and coaching staffs would notice it, but most fans are not going to be looking at that and going, oh, my goodness, you you didn't get him, you got him? That, to me, is the difference with the NFL. These guys know that most of these guys in the league are replaceable, uh, and and that's why you won't have a Kawhi-like frenzy. So even even if you had a super team, if I got a bunch of depth and I've got a Patriots-like kind of group together with one-star quarterback – I got a chance in the NFL, and that's one of the things that makes the NFL so great. I think the only version of what you're talking about with Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James going to L.A. or Anthony Davis forcing his way there would be the quarterback position carries that much weight. So imagine, I'm just thinking about how entertaining this would be if we went into an offseason where, let's just say... Pat Mahomes, DeAndre Hopkins, and Ezekiel Elliott are all free agents, and they all send each other uh, Instagram posts suggesting that they get together in Jacksonville. They all can't wait to play for Doug Marone, which most people can't, right? So they're like, we're going to Jacksonville. Jayville, here we come. I just think it would be crazy and fun and, and make it much more entertaining. Now, I mean... It helps me that the NFL offseason has so many players where fans don't really know who they are, like, the, yeah. like Josh Klein. So I can spend time researching them and writing about them, and fans are interested <laughs> in that. But in terms of the enterta- overall entertainment value, if there was a middle ground to allow that to happen a little more often, and especially with quarterbacks, Myron, it amazes me that quarterbacks never change locations anymore. Never. I mean, Not good ones. Even no, when you go back to, to free agent, to the first starting in the early yeah. 90s, you'd have some you know quarterback playing for this team, and then two years later he's playing for that team, and two years later he's playing for that team. And now you just never see it anymore. And in part, I would say this too, if you're against something like this because you just don't really care about the fun part of it and you feel like, oh, we're – Cincinnati will never have a chance to get that guy or something. I mean, part of it would be then how do you figure out the clever way around it? Or also this, 
you could probably feel a little more secure moving on from someone because you knew you weren't going to have them that long anyway. So yes. you don't feel like, ah, oh, I better lock into this one guy. Like, well, you know, there's always going to be next year where other guys come out and maybe we're that team that gets lucky. But there's something refreshing about being an NFL fan and feeling like you have a good idea about the next four to five years with your franchise. Or soul-crushing. Also well, soul, like, soul, right? could be soul-crushing. It could be soul-crushing if, if you had signed Ryan Tannehill to a deal yes. or Andy Dalton to a deal. Do you think those fans were like, yeah, <laughs> we know who our quarterback no. is? But at least they know if you, if you get it right, you know you have a chance at some real stability. In the NBA, if you're a Raptors fan, yeah, you just won the championship. You don't know what you have next year. You might not be in the playoffs next year, man. Yeah. That's the NBA for you. All right, Myron Metcalf from ESPN, Matthew Collar here, Purple Daily. Something happened in the media world this week that got a lot of conversation involving Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs that we want to uh, put our reporter hats on and discuss a little bit when we return. You are listening to Purple Daily. We'll be right back here on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. We are back here on Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Myron Metcalf, talking football in the middle of the summer when it's beautiful outside, as one does. <laughs> uh, and there was something, Myron, that came up this week that caught my eye, and uh, you wanted to discuss it today. And I'm always interested in getting uh, other people's perspectives who are in locker rooms and have uh, done a lot of reporting like yourself. Um, and the radio host from Kansas City, Kevin, I believe it's Keitzman, yeah. um, talked about Andy Reid and his ability to fix players and so forth. And it went really badly for him and ended up being viral. And so I'm going to play a clip of that right now. And the second thing is they probably think they can fix him. But they thought they could fix him before and they failed. Andy Reid does not have a great record of fixing players. He doesn't. Discipline is not his thing. It did not work out particularly well in his family life, and that needs to be added to this. As we're talking about the Chiefs, he wasn't real great at that either. He's had a lot of things go bad on him. Family and players. He is not good at fixing people. He is not good at discipline. That is not his strength. His strength is designing football plays. To be honest, that is Andy Reid's greatest strength is designing football offenses and plays. That's his greatest strength. The players like him, sure. He's a leader. He's a leader. I'm not saying he's not a leader. But his greatest strength is designing football plays. And that has gotten him a long way. But that doesn't mean he's qualified to discipline players or help them or change them or make them better. So that was from 810 in Kansas City. And the biggest reaction, of course, is because he mentioned the family thing twice and Andy Reid had a son who passed away, and I believe Myron he committed suicide, right? His a heroin uh, overdose. His son. Oh, an overdose, right? Yep. So, um, a, a, a naturally very uncomfortable and unnecessary thing to say, but he was talking about Tyreek Hill, and the Chiefs do have a record recently of having some things go not so great for them with players off the field, including with Kareem Hunt, and yep. then with the Tyreek Hill situation. So. Um, this uh, Kevin Keitzman, he gets suspended. He comes out with an apology and so forth. What did you make of this situation? I, I felt like, you know, guys like you and I are in this position every day where you're trying to, you know, sort of toe the line between interesting, fun, exciting, informative conversation and going too far. Um, and it's the most... It, it's such a vulnerable place, man, because these are hot mics. And you say something, you tweet something, you write something, um, you say something in a video, you, you can't take it back. And, you know, I wonder if, if Kevin Keatsman, if, if he could do it all over again, I'm sure he wouldn't say it the way he did. But I was taught at an early age, man, if you're going to talk about a man's family, you better be ready, ready to fight him. <laughs> um, so for me, that's how I came up. I came up to where 
If you're going to say something about my family or I'm going to say something about your family, be ready to, you know, put those hands up. And I just think you've got to be really delicate about anyone's family. Kyle, we've done this a long time. How many times have you looked at a guy in the locker room and people said, man, that's a bad dude. Mm -hmm. And then you find out he's one of the best guys, one of the best community guys, great family guy. And how many times have you seen a guy in the locker room where you go, oh, man, everyone looks at him. He's perfect. And then you hear (laughs) stories behind the scenes where you go, wait a minute, that dude's doing what? I'll keep names out of that one. Well, but that's the thing. (laughs) We see these things, though, right? And and what what it teaches you is don't try to judge people based on what you see. I only know how to judge folks based on what they do on the football field. Now, here's what I will say. If your personal life bleeds onto the field and impacts what happens on the field, that is fair game. Uh, You know, if you're Bobby Petrino and you're on a motorcycle with your mistress on a Sunday and you crash (laughs) and you show up to a press conference and a body cast and you say, oh, nothing to see here. uh, Yeah, we're going to dig into your personal life. But I do think what Kevin Keatsman said was way out of line. He brought up Andy Reid's family, uh, and he brought it up in a way to say what he was essentially saying was you could have presented, prevented your son's overdose. Whoa, man, that is such a dangerous, dangerous thing to even infer. And I personally just think, you know, you, you can't go there. And I also think it's just not wise to make assumptions about people and their character and their family lives and personal lives because there are a whole lot of hypocrites out there. You don't know who's who. So keep it, you know, stick to football, stick to the sport, unless there is something that demands that we go, okay, now we got to talk about your personal and family life. Where it gets interesting to me is that there is such an intersection between who people are in sports and how they perform on the field or how they do their jobs. And with Andy Reid, I don't think it's legitimate at all to say that he doesn't handle players well or, or can't deal with players who have tough situations surrounding them. He signed Michael Vick. I, I, right. I mean, that's the, the, <laughs> the obvious example. But, I mean, a lot of those teams, you had all sorts of different personalities and players who came into Philadelphia who he succeeded with. And some of them probably dealt with things that we didn't necessarily even know about behind the scenes. And, and yeah. that's another thing is, you know, there are players who are dealing with things all the time that don't end up in the public eye that you don't know how Andy Reid managed them. And Tyreek Hill, last time I checked, had a problem with this before he was even in the NFL. Otherwise, he would have been a much higher draft pick. And uh, I don't know with Kareem Hunt if he had had an issue before, but Tyreek Hill was a guy that when he was drafted, a lot of people went, wait a minute, why are you even drafting this guy considering what he did? And if you're putting that... I mean, I'm just attacking the general logic of even bringing up is a coach supposed to fix grown men, especially yeah. guys who have issues with that. Well, I mean, I think if you've got a problem with what Tyreek Hill did, talk to the front office because yeah. because they're the ones who decided to bring him in. And he was a loaded gun from even having him there. And no surprise that something else went really terrible with Tyreek Hill because that's who he is. That's who you decided to sign. I don't think it's Andy Reid's job to sit there and teach grown men how to act in public. Um, but going back to your point about knowing who people really are. It's a very big challenge when it comes to reporting because there's so much interest in the NFL that people want more and more. And there's so much interest in people who are in this position to get attention for your takes and to get them shared and to have people want to listen to you. And there's competition. I know this is from KC. There's two radio stations there in KC, sports stations that battle up against each other. And and so you're trying to bring something different to the table. You're trying to be smarter, more clever, or more funny, or more interesting. And sometimes that goes too far. Um, But... There's always a line that I think you'd have to draw to say things that aren't my business or things that I can't really know, like how Andy Reid handled his son. And I even remember back then, Myron, that a lot of people made that connection. Well, maybe if Andy Reid hadn't spent so much time grinding tape. Well, I mean, Mike Zimmer's kids seem fine, and that guy does nothing but grind tape. So come on now. I mean, how many of these coaches' kids end up being in the NFL themselves and everything else? That was always always way too far to me. So I've always taken the stance, Myron, that – if it's when it relates to who someone is on the field. So am I judging listening to a player talk? Is this guy a bright guy? Is he not a bright guy? 
Uh, does he seem like he is having a positive impact on his teammates in the locker room? Is he not? Is yeah. he a good teammate? Is he a selfish teammate? All those things. I think you can analyze those and if someone gets arrested for something, you could say, okay, here's the situation that we have with this Definitely. person's off-field stuff. But when you talk about how someone treated their family in connection to a wide receiver, that, that is crossing a line that I don't ever want to touch. Yeah, and, you, and you shouldn't. When I was younger, when I was a younger reporter, I started the Star Tribune. I was 21 when I got to the Star Tribune. Um, and I didn't have the same sensitivity. You know, for me, it was... Everything's fair game. Um, but you learn as you get older, you know, like, wait a minute, man. These guys have real lives. You know, you got to treat them as human beings. Um, and you got to just be careful about this guy is this way, that guy is that way. I, I mean, I went to Mankato, man. So we had the Vikings training camp every year, you know, <laughs> and you heard some stories, you know, some good stories, some mm-hmm. interesting stories. And, and it, it wasn't necessarily the folks that you would assume, right? Because people are people. And you can't assume that one person is this way because of their public image. And you can't look at someone's public flaws and go, well, they must be a terrible father, which is what you know Kevin Keatsman was uh, suggesting when it came to Andy Reid. It's just not worth it. It's just not worth it to get off that hot take, uh, you know, to go viral temporarily. You don't want to be dumb and go viral. You don't want to say something that is just so insensitive that you can't recover from it. And it was just unnecessary. Tariq Hill and other guys like him. Men who have put their hands on women. I can assure you, I can tell you stories about men that I know uh, in my own experience who have done that, who don't fit the profile of someone who would be deemed a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They did it. So, so when you're talking about domestic abuse and you're talking about you know, all these different things and children, you, you don't know who's who. Uh, so let's keep it that way. Unless there is evidence to suggest, okay, certainly an Andy Reid did something directly uh, that contributed to what happened to his son. That is just a dangerous, dangerous thing uh, to even suggest, and it's not necessary to back up your point. Tyreek Hill's a grown man, to your point. Kareem Hunt's a grown man. These guys made decisions on their own. The front office, and Andy Reid's a part of that in terms of assessing their character. You do your best to say, okay, has this guy turned the corner? Has this guy decided he's not going to be the person that we saw on camera with the Tyreek Hill? And what are you going to do when these guys go into these interviews? They say all the right things, Collar. They mm-hmm. say, of course, I'm not the same guy. Of course, that's not me. Of course, I'm changed. I was a younger man then. How many guys in the NFL do that every single season? And if you're an NFL executive, you go, you know what? Let's take a chance or not. That's the game. And sometimes you get burned. That's part of it. But to put that all on Andy Reid and to bring up something like his son's overdose, Way, way out of bounds. You know where I've really always struggled on this topic, Myron, is where I'm supposed to come down on teams that have players like Tyreek Hill. I think he's an easier case because of how egregious his infractions are. I mean, this is yeah. he's closing in on Greg Hardy's status. And he is. anytime you get into Greg with Hardy's video. air with video, you uh, probably don't deserve the privilege of being in the National Football League. And that makes it a little easier to just be like, hey, I don't want this guy around because he's going to do this again and, and so forth. But I've also wondered about the teams who cut the guy like Kareem Hunt. And they kind of end up, I don't know, maybe it's a prisoner of the moment type of thing because they're getting criticized from all angles. And then he just shows up the next year with the Browns and we've all moved on from it. And I think, well, what's better here? I mean, is Kareem Hunt really better? And I've even had this thought about Tyreek Hill. Would it be better if they cut Tyreek Hill for Tyreek Hill's family? It's probably not better. It's probably better if they know this is a huge issue that he has and they do everything that they can to help him, because if they cut him, he's going to be publicly shamed for a little while. He's going to sign with Carolina or something, and then we're not going to talk about it anymore after that week, right? And it's just going to be the same thing over and over again. And the only reason Ray Rice never came back is because the dude couldn't play anymore. And yeah. so I've, I've always looked and searched for some ground to fall on here where I felt like I was safe talking about this. Like I could come up with, this is what I think about NFL teams that keep guys like Tyreek Hill around. I think X, Y, and Z. I have never gotten to that place other than that. I'm just always constantly conflicted by this. So in that way, I can understand why it's difficult and challenging to talk about where if you're a talk host like this guy, you're trying to find, okay, who do I blame for this? Who do I point my finger at? How, because as a talk host, you couldn't be like, 
Whatever, man. Keep Tyreek Hill. Because then you're going to get shared all around the internet and get crushed anyway, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I personally have always had a tough time trying to figure out where I'm supposed to stand on things like this. Well, to, to me, man, this feels like the NFL's, you know, this is baseball on the steroids in the 90s to me. In terms of this is such a major issue that you have to stop and go, okay, we got to start shutting these guys down. To me, what you do, and it's simple. If a man has, if there's evidence that a man has put his hands on a child or uh, a, a partner, right? He's out of the NFL right away. And the problem is that's never going to happen because the union's going to appeal and you can't do things like that. But to me, there should be agreement between the owners and union. If there is enough evidence to suggest that this guy did something like that, he's out of the league. And then there has to be a comprehensive program where you go, okay, what does this guy need to be rehabilitated? But here's my thing. Even if you go through that kind of program, you're not guaranteed anything. I don't care if Tyreek mm-hmm. Hill plays ever again. I don't care if Kareem Hunt plays ever again. I don't care if Greg Hardy ever plays again. Because guess what? With your job and my job and the dude listening somewhere in Minneapolis right now or St. Paul on their job, if they got accused of this stuff, if there was video of this stuff, if their names were being attached to some of this negativity, guess what? You go into work on Monday and they say, thank you for your time. Here's your two-week check. We'll see you. Uh, don't call us. We'll call you kind of thing because you'd be out of a job. So how can we look at guys in the NFL and go, well, maybe there should be a different kind of situation. You know, Maybe we need to figure it all out. That's not what happens in the real world. We need to start treating domestic abuse uh, in the NFL the way we treat it in the real world and make it something where if you're accused of it and especially convicted of it, guess what? You miss that opportunity and you won't get it back. Too bad. You can do other things in life. You can get a second chance in other walks of life, but why do you have to get your NFL job back after you do something like that? Yeah. That part doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I can, I can totally understand that that's, um, it, that's a pretty good place to uh, be in for, for one of us is to just draw that hard line and say, well, sorry, man, you knew that this was going to get you out of the league, just like you're talking about with steroids. If you say, look, if you get tested positive with steroids, you're just out. That's yeah. probably going to do a better job of keeping guys away from steroids, and, and maybe it has, maybe it hasn't, but the punishments are pretty harsh, as we saw from Jorge Polanco last year. Where yeah. I always struggle with that one, though, a little bit, Myron, is just from the victim perspective, is if you take away Tyreek Hill's job, and he is now unemployed, and let's say if he didn't get his second contract, didn't actually make that much money, a lot of victims end up staying with these people. And I know maybe you could say it's not the NFL's responsibility to deal with whatever happens to Tyreek Hill beyond when he's in the NFL. But I'm thinking if we're trying to go best scenario for everybody, I, as an NFL team, don't necessarily want a domestic abuser on my team from how I look to the public and so forth. But then there's also, if I just kick this guy out and say, hey, it's your problem. Well, who's he going to blame for losing his NFL career, right? I mean, I feel like this is going to make it, if you do that, that just makes it worse for the people around Tyreek Hill. But these guys with money in their pockets do it. I mean, Greg Hardy had NFL money. You know, Tyreek Hill had NFL money. Kareem Hunt had NFL money, and they still did it. So I get what you're saying, and I think a lot of NFL executives and owners probably think that way. But money or not, this is a character thing. Like, you either think it's okay to put your hands on a woman, right, in a violent way, or you don't. Like, to me, that's what it comes down to. Rich people do it. Poor people do it. Middle class people do it. Black, white, Hispanic. I mean, it it really, it's it's a diverse pool of people who are willing to do that, who participate in that kind of behavior. Um, And and I think the NFL has to draw a line at some point. Because if you don't, then what happens? I mean, at what point do you do it? Do you wait until somebody you know, nearly kills a, a partner or, or actually does that, how far before you step in and go, enough is enough? Yeah, and, and that's where I think if there's a way for the NFL to have kind of a streamlined, this is how we're going to handle this stuff. Because where I get frustrated the most, Myron, is that there's no plan. There's yeah. just Roger Goodell, wherever the hell he is, I haven't heard from him. Where is he? Right? I mean, <laughs> we don't even know what Roger Goodell does these days outside of rake in $40 million a year to oh, be... Man the the commissioner and the punching bag for for everybody but if I, I wish that there was a way to handle this because it's been a common enough issue where if you said okay look if this happens to you one time that you are automatically suspended eight games and you are put into this program for eight weeks and you do nothing but that study your playbook if you want but your like your job now is in that program 
And then if it happens again, you're done in the league, and that's it. And that's the end of the story. But these things get so complicated, though, Myron, because sometimes, I mean, you look at the Greg Hardy situation, and his accuser just wouldn't testify. And this happens a lot, right? This is the Reuben Foster thing, where it was maybe clear that Reuben Foster had an issue, but then the accuser decides to change the story, and maybe there's some money involved behind the scenes and everything else, and what are you supposed to do as the league? So this is where there's so many gray areas to it. It would be, I think, better if this league actually had a leader, because in my mind, they don't. Uh, I I don't think that this league as a whole has a whole lot of leadership. I don't feel like it's Adam Silver in the NBA where you know who's in charge, and uh, I wish that they had... Better ways of dealing with this stuff. Yeah, it's it's amazing how Michael Vick and dogfighting happened, and it was pretty clear there was a line there, right? You can't do this and think that you're going to play in the NFL, right? That's what happened. We decided as a society that's not something that we will condone. But when it comes to abusing women and children, we go, eh, wait a minute, I don't know all the details. And I think that's the problem, man, is there are things that we go, that's just wrong. And we got to get to that place when it comes to domestic violence and then address it accordingly. Yeah, I certainly agree with you there. Myron Metcalf from ESPN, Matthew Collar. You listen to Purple Daily. We'll take a quick break. One more segment with Myron. We'll switch to some hardcore football-y footballness. Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network ranked the divisions every day. They're ranking stuff, but he did it by quarterback talent. So I want to run these by you, Myron, and see if you agree. When we return here on Purple Daily. and 10 to the Green Bay 22. Cousins looks it over. Slot right. Snap Cousins. Looking around. Hit as he throws it over the right side. And it is caught for a touchdown or is it? Apparently it is a touchdown. Adam Thielen. He fell on the pylon on the right side of the end zone. 22 yard pass play. Cousins as he was hit on that play let it go and dropped it in the bucket to Thielen. And the Vikings have extracted the dagger and are a two-point conversion away from getting this thing tied. Back here at Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Myron Metcalf for another seven minutes or so, and then it is time for Hot Routes. We'll have Zolgad and Rami in here for that. Um, Interesting stat that someone from Pro Football Focus sent me the other day about uh, Kirk Cousins, Myron, that his first four weeks versus the rest of his season for big-time throws. They track big-time throws, and that was one of them. His baby's best throw of the year was that touchdown to Adam Thielen. And uh, it went down significantly, like in terms of his pace of big-time throws over the first four weeks over the last uh, 12 weeks, it went way down. And I think a big part of that was Mike Zimmer constantly telling Kirk Cousins to stop turning the ball over because of a few of his reckless throws. And I wonder if this year that uh, Mike Zimmer will not be speaking directly to Kirk Cousins. It'll be like, if you want to talk to Mr. Cousins, you have to go through Mr. Kubiak to get there. Because I I didn't really think of that until that stat was given to me, that the big-time throws went down. The risk-taking was almost non-existent through the remainder of the season, and there was a hesitation in his game that I wonder if it will come back if he turns the ball over a few times and Zimmer calls him out this year, or if Gary Kubiak is going to be that wall in between those two. Yeah, It's a good thing if, if Zimmer's uh, communication is limited, right? Because I think that will mean that uh, Kubiak is doing his job, right? Kubiak is doing what he was brought here to do. I just wonder if it's not working early, all those folks in that room, the Zimmer and Kubiak, you got so many alphas, uh, making decisions, trying to make decisions. That when it that's when it can get ugly. And Kirk Cousins doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who can walk into chaos and, and find that sense of calm and resolve. You know, and like some of those guys are just cold blooded like that. Your your Brady's and your Drew Brees's. Cousins is the kind of guy who strikes me as someone who needs everyone to be flowing on the same, being on the same page. Uh, and if he doesn't get that again this year, it could spell trouble. Cousins' personality is really interesting for this because he isn't the type, and, and, and these can have negative drawbacks too if you're talking about Aaron Rodgers, but he isn't the type to be like, 84 mil, Gary, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are some guys, maybe 80% of the franchise quarterbacks in the league, who if there was some sort of conflict between the offensive coordinator, the head coach, and the quarterback, that the quarterback would just pull money. 
Just be like, yeah. look, yeah. I'm the franchise quarterback. You guys are paying me so much. I'll be here after you are. You know, yeah. right? Like, I can ruin you if I want Aaron to. Aaron Rodgers yeah. in Green Bay. That's what they call yeah. it. Yeah, and I mean, Roethlisberger clearly owns the franchise yep. in Pittsburgh. It could do whatever the hell he wants. And I'm sure that if... Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, there's probably 10 other quarterbacks who are exactly yeah. this way that teams are locked into, ownerships are locked into, and if they just want to pull rank, then they can at any time. But Cousins strikes me very much as a guy who wants to do exactly what he's asked to do. So when John Filippo dials up a play, he's not going to go bleep that play. Like Aaron Rodgers, run this route instead. You know, yeah. he's, he's not going to do that. He's going to try to do it exactly to what he's supposed to do. So uh, those voices in the room, they better be on the same page. Um, but anyway, aside from that, something stuck out to me, a tweet today, and I wanted to get your take on this. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network, who does a really, really good podcast with Bucky Brooks, he ranked divisions by QB talent. So I'm going to read them, and you can tell me what, what you think of this list. He's got the NFC South as being the most quarterback-talented division. Then the NFC North right after that, number two. AFC West third. NFC West is fourth. And then it kind of doesn't matter. And the NFC East is dead last. So the NFC South and North are one and two. AFC East and NFC East are at the bottom. How do you feel about that? Where is NFC? uh, You said NFC West. Where was that right? NFC uh, West was fourth. Okay. No, I I think that makes sense. I mean, the NFC South clearly... What you got two MVP, three MVPs, right? Drew Brees and Matt Ryan uh, and Cam, and, and then you got a guy. I mean, if Jameis Winston is the worst quarterback in your division, uh, I think that says a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I think certainly the NFC South deserves that. And in the NFC North, Mitch Trubisky had improved. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be a, a franchise quarterback in terms of this guy, this big playmaking guy. But can he be a serviceable winner? Uh, within that scheme, I think he can be. And if he's number four, that says a lot as well. You got Aaron Rodgers, you have Kirk Cousins, and who we know he's supposed to be. We'll see if he ever gets there. And then Stafford's the guy that people don't talk about enough. I think because of the lines and just how we hear the same old story every year, people assume, Colin, that Matthew Stafford's 36 or something. Mm-hmm. The, the guy, I think he just turned 30. I mean, Matthew Stafford has a chance. If he keeps playing at a high level for seven, eight years, to become a guy who's on some of those all-time charts – uh, he hasn't had the team around him, but in terms of just numbers, he's a guy that could produce could produce big time. And by the end of his career, we're like, wow, he did that. So, no, that makes sense for them being number two. And, of course, the NFC East uh, with Dak and Wentz and Nick Foles and Eli Manning, I see why they're at the bottom. But, no, I actually like those rankings. What do you think? Well, the, I, uh, the NFC North being number two stuck out to me because I wouldn't have put the NFC North at number two. Um, Who'd be, you put? Because of, I don't believe in Mitch Trubisky, but it, it just, you sort of have to get hot takey here to get there. Because yeah. I don't believe in Mitch Trubisky as a what true franchise mean? quarterback. It, it means that I think that they could, that they had everything go right for them last year, and Trubisky still wasn't really all that great. And he kind of, I think, held them back um, with a lot of really? his play. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you. Look at his traditional numbers. They're pretty decent, and he certainly made some plays with his legs. But then when you dive deeper into the actual throws and the missed throws that he was making, Pro Football Focus had him, and they just grade the throws as one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year. And I would agree with that watching back his tape because preparing for both of those Chicago games, I watched a bunch of the games with the coach's tape, and there are missed throws everywhere on the field. I mean, if they had a more competent throwing quarterback... I mean, they would have had a top five offense last year with how many playmakers they had and Matt Nagy and how good his offense was. So Do you I, give him a little room being a number a second year guy though, being um, a young guy. You know, I don't know because it's a lot of the same problems that were still there in college when he was coming out. I didn't think he was a top quarterback, and there's a tweet to prove it that I thought Mahomes was the best quarterback in the draft. I'm just saying, just saying that's out there. That's never. Smart man. I will never delete that tweet that Mahomes is the best quarterback in the draft, but. Uh, it's a lot of the same problems. It's a lot of the same, like, throwing to his left, stepping and throwing, the, the footwork gets sloppy when there's people around him, all those things. So I, I just don't know how much that's really going to change. I think it's going to be the same sort of scheming around his weaknesses, using the bubble screens, trying to hit somebody deep every once in a while and get a big play. But I don't look at a guy like him and say, oh, yeah, there's a lot more there, like a lot more room to grow. I think his weaknesses are going to be his weaknesses. And... 
Aaron, I know that people still talk about him like it's 2012 still, but his last four seasons, he's just a good quarterback, not a great quarterback, his last four years. And I don't expect him to ever get back to that 120 quarterback rating type of Aaron Rodgers, and I don't think he's got the personnel around him to get there. Cousins, we know, is going to be Kirk Cousins and exactly only ever Kirk Cousins, I think. And Stafford is a really interesting one because you mentioned those those traditional numbers, the yards that he puts up and everything else. Uh, I don't think they're going to have a great offense this year still. Oh, they won't. But can you think of a Matt Stafford comparison, though? Somebody who, like you said, in his career, if he plays five, six, seven more years, he's going to end up with all-time great numbers. <laughs> yes. But I have never thought of him as a truly great quarterback. I'm trying to no. think of someone who was like that, who had just unbelievable big yardage totals and everything else, but was just never really that great. No, there aren't many people. Uh, and I, I I think the thing with Stafford, too, it's it's where he's playing. He's always been overshadowed uh, by Aaron Rodgers. You know, that's a hard thing as well. You look at the NFC North and you go, oh, you don't even pay attention to Stafford because you're so focused on the Lions and how bad they have been. But, yeah, the numbers the numbers are there. Um, I get what you're saying on Trubisky. Lamar Jackson, I think Baltimore is in a similar spot to me. Like, what mm-hmm. else do you get out of him? But – it could have been a train. For me, I guess I was surprised that it wasn't a train wreck. Uh, in that Trubisky, I thought if they, it would have been a train wreck, it would have been his fault. But he did enough to avoid that. And Aaron Rodgers, I mean, maybe he's been a good quarterback, but it's all relative, right, to what he did previously. He's still a low turnover guy. He wasn't healthy last year. I want to see what Aaron Rodgers does with Matt Lafleur, who needs to stay off the basketball court. I want to see what he does with him. <laughs> Uh, and sort of this revamped offense. So the next couple of years, if we get a healthy Aaron Rodgers, uh, I'm interested to see like how he develops. And then Kirk Cousins, this is the year. But you could have three really good quarterbacks in this division, and then one younger guy who maybe makes some improvements, maybe doesn't. I think I've got it. I think I've got the Matt Stafford career okay. comparison. Drew Bledsoe. Oh, I like that. It's like a 500, oh, yeah. He's a 500 quarterback who had yeah. huge yardage totals all the time. Yeah. One, you know, nine and seven a lot of times. Got to a Super Bowl with one really great team. A yep. couple of times in the Pro Bowl, but was always kind of just, uh, you know, yeah. I'm not sure he could ever really get you there. So yeah. that's 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 my comparison. Anyway, Imagine if he stays healthy next Friday, we'll do this again. Myron, what do you think? Sounds good. All right. Well, that's Myron Metcalf from ESPN. Every Friday, he and I host here Purple Daily. Hour number two, it will be Rami Maklov and Judd Zulgad. It's Hot Routes coming up next. Thanks, Myron. And we'll be right back here on Purple Daily. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.